Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia Podcast. Today I go on the podcast with Laura Atkinson. You can find her on Instagram at Laura Atkinson underscore L-A-U-R-A-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N underscore. We had a great conversation. Um, no real questions were uh, written down or anything. We just kind of, we were just winging it. So it was, a, it was a really fun one, actually. We went over a ton of different topics, um, talking about COVID, talking about how she deals with her emetophobia. She's been dealing with emetophobia for about 10 years now. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in there. Hey, what's up? Hi. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Sorry, How's it going? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, I'm great. Yeah, I'm just uh, hanging out. I figured, uh, I haven't really posted a podcast in a while, so I figured uh, since you were available, I'd just have you. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good to just get it done. I think it's really exciting. I've been really procrastinating lately with all of the whole COVID thing. Like, work has been weird. My boss actually got COVID. And no luckily I, I hadn't been working with him at the time. He'd been out at deer camp going hunting and everything. So he comes back, it's tested and then he tested positive for it. So we've been out of work and then I started working for another guy and it's been kind of back and forth with him. So it's just kind of, yeah. it's been very depressing lately, but trying to get back on track and get all the podcasts out and get everything going. So. Yeah, that's so good. Where are you from, by the way? I'm from Michigan. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Where are you from? I'm, I'm from near london but i'm in cardiff at the moment in wales gotcha gotcha yeah i have had i think two other people on from the uk so it's exciting i like seeing talking to people from other uh, countries so it's, it's exciting yeah it's exciting <laughs> cool, cool so um let's just get started um if you want to tell everybody about yourself a little bit and then go right into your emetophobia uh, story and how it all started okay um so my name is Laura and I'm 19 and I'm a student and I think one of the major things for me with emetophobia is my two major things is holding back on going traveling and going on planes which I would love to do but I just can't seem to commit to putting myself in that space where I'm on the plane and I don't want to be there and I need to get out of the space and I can't and also drinking. So in case the listeners aren't in the UK, the legal age is 18. And at university, it's a massive, massive part of the culture, like drinking games, everyone gets to know each other. And that's, I find I have a really rubbish night if I try and force myself to have a drink, I just make myself really, really anxious about being unwell. So now I've just sort of accepted that's just not what I do. And I just sat like, just drink a lemonade or something when people are playing games and I think just being like a student with a metaphobia I think that's two of the biggest things that are quite weird and people don't really get it sure no I uh I think that the 
the people I have talked to about being in, in, in the U S we call it college. I don't know. It's a little <laughs> different, but um, the, the people who are in college or like in, in some sort of setting like that, they always seem to have a hard time with it because there's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of like crazy stuff going on, a lot of anxiety involved with everything. So it's not a very good place for people with emetophobia I've learned. So <laughs> no, it's not, but I think it's all about having like the right friends. And I think, because you never really want to go really deep into it when you first meet people and explain the whole story. So you just kind of, I always used to say stuff like, oh, just not tonight, not tonight. And then that would mean I'd always get like pressured and people would continue like asking me and trying to give me shots and things. And that's just, so that led to like quite a lot of awkwardness, but I've really oh, learned yeah. now to just sort of be like, I, I don't do it. Like, mm-hmm. and then later on, I'll just be like, oh yeah, it's just, because of this and then people just sort of accept it now let's touch on that for a second so when you do explain it to your friends how do you explain it to them it's really hard because I never really know what to say but luckily my friend's quite understanding and I just sort of say I have something called emetophobia and it means I'm worried about being unwell and um drinking is something that massively triggers that and I just I have a better time and everyone else has a better night because I'm not upset because I'm not drinking. So, and I think I've just learned to really relax as well on nights out and I still have fun with everyone. I think if you just let loose, people don't know you're not drinking because you're having as much fun as anybody else. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I I had some problems with it too. Um, I just, I think that with me though, it was a little different because when I started drinking, it was almost a way to kind of escape a little bit, but I had to be very specific on how much I drank. Like I I knew my limits on how many beers I could have, or if I ever drank liquor, I I mean, I I really don't drink liquor. That's like my big, my big thing. I don't want to mess with that because I know that it's very hard to gauge how sick you're going to get or how bad you're going to feel when you drink liquor. So I, I know like two beers in, I'm feeling pretty good. I can handle that. I know that's like my limit right there. And then I start drinking a lot of water. I make sure to eat. Like there's all these little rituals mm-hmm. you have to do with stuff like that. And uh, it's just kind of crazy. Um, so let's touch on food for a second. What are your, um, I guess, diet habits while having emetophobia? Is it different than everybody else? I'd say I used to get quite nervous in restaurants because um, like it wasn't even about if, I think when I get I don't eat a lot sometimes because of it. And then when I get yeah. nervous, all my throat closes up. So it makes it really Damn. hard to eat. Yeah. And then it's like um, a vicious circle. Is that what it's called? So like mm-hmm. I get nervous about not finishing my plate and then I can't eat. And then I, it just keeps on going. And then yep. I think when I'm cooking at home, if I'm cooking chicken or something, like I'll be very... I'll be checking it a hundred times as I'm eating. And then often halfway through the meal, all of a sudden I'll decide, oh gosh, no, that's obviously not cooked. I have to stop now. (laughs) It's really silly. um, Yeah, I always overcook it and it's like super dry and it's not even enjoyable anymore. I'm just like, I wish you could just eat kitchen or chicken normally. Um, I was going to say too, that that throat closing up feeling, that's all anxiety. I learned that that's, it's like, feels like there's a frog in your throat and stuff. And it almost makes you want to gag and stuff that it's all anxiety. That's what that's from. And I think that the biggest problem with people who have emetophobia is just the the misunderstanding of what's actually happening to you. And I think that um, it's, it's a lot of OCD tendencies that are happening where it's a lot of rituals to try to make yourself not be sick. Mm. And, um, and then the anxiety takes over and it's just this never ending cycle of being anxious, feeling sick, then getting anxious and feeling sick. And it's been back exactly. and forth constantly. And I, I, I don't know how to, 
um, sometimes explain that to people to where they understand it. Everybody's just like, Oh, just get over it. You know, you'll be fine. Just, just come yeah. on out with us. And it, it just sucks. Cause like, I wish people could get on my level sometimes and be like, no, the way I try to explain it to people too, is imagine somebody who has arachnophobia and every time they walk out in public, they feel like a big old bucket of spiders is going to get dropped on them at any moment. That's kind of what it feels like to have a metaphobia. And I, I feel like that's a good way to explain it to people that is such to a good help way them understand. But because people yeah, um, it's like a reasonable thing sometimes they're like oh like no one likes that like why are right. you any more like upset by it than anyone else like it's not enjoyable for anyone but it's really hard to explain it's like a never-ending fear and it's just crazy I've actually um I've pretty much overcome my emetophobia over the years just from learning about it talking to people really kind of putting myself out there. I started a couple of businesses. I got myself to where I'm so busy that I really can't focus on it anymore. And really um, the anxiety is kind of like an afterthought now versus being there all the time. I still get anxious. I still have a metaphobia every once in a while. It kind of creeps up and it'll happen in like the worst times ever when I'm like trying to do something really important. Exactly. But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot easier lately, especially having a family and, and dealing with two kids. Um, having a three and a four year old where they are constantly getting sick of something or they eat the wrong food or something happens. And it's just being in that um, uh, what are they called? exposure therapy all the time where mm -hmm. it just happens out of the random and I just have to deal with it. And I think that a lot of us run and hide from those kind of things. But I think the thing that we all need to really do is try to face them head on and realize that, hey, we're still alive. We're still fine. We're going to make it through this. We're not going to die. We're not going to be sick. It's just normal stuff that happens on an everyday basis. So exactly. Um, it's, it's hard to to get past that though sometimes for people it is I feel like it's just I think I definitely run and hide as soon as like I'm in a situation like that I just I think anxiety takes over like a sensible thought process mm -hmm. um so I think it's just something that I need to practice a little bit and hopefully get a bit better at and stop sure. letting the worry overtake uh, the enjoyment I would have doing something because I know I would love to travel and I mm -hmm. know I'd have the best time but I just can't like commit to it just because I'm I don't want to do the hard bit <laughs> yeah yeah and that you can take that I think it's kind of crazy but since I've been learning about business a lot more you can take a lot of the aspects of business and put them into your personal life with your anxiety and things like that mm -hmm. because uh, I also learned this thing I have, I've been preaching to everybody lately. It's called the five second rule. So when you have some sort of anxiety problem or the emetophobia is getting really bad, um, what I like to do now is I just count down from five and I change my mindset no matter what. Or if I, I have something I don't want to do, like if, like, like for instance, making a podcast myself when I have to just sit here and like talk about something for a while by myself, it gets kind of like awkward. And I, I often feel like people don't want to hear me talk. But I just sit there and I say, you know, five, four, three, two, one. And I just go right to my podcast app and I just do it no matter what. And your body over time will start and your mind will start to get used to that and you'll just do it. It's just one of those like things where a lot of people say things are, are it's just so hard. I, I can't do that. And it's like, no, you can. I promise you, you can. Because yeah. I went from being in my house for an entire year, not being able to leave. I couldn't go outside. I couldn't hang out with friends. I was constantly in my room by myself, scared of everything. It's getting mm -hmm. to the point now where I have a normal job. I work every single day. I leave the house every day. I eat normally. Things have just become so normalized in my mind that I don't have to worry about the emetophobia anymore. And that's, that's kind of why I started this podcast was so I can really help people out and uh, give them kind of my side of it and if it helps it helps if it doesn't it doesn't it's just kind of it is what it is type thing so it's kind of exciting and I'm I'm, I'm a very uh like I, there's not a lot of males who have this it, I've noticed it's like 90 percent women who have emetophobia and I, I I was I'm gonna ask you why, why do you think that is see I always think that too and I'm really not sure why 
I think for me, there wasn't like one experience which triggered it. I think it's just something that I've always been like, I've always sort of thought and felt, but I really don't know why. Do you have an opinion on it? Well, what I've kind of come to the conclusion of is men don't like to talk about their feelings very much, which is understandable because we all have to be this manly man and and we don't have feelings and we never cry. And I feel like women are very a lot more open about how they feel and and, and the things that are are going on in their head. So that's kind of why I feel like women are more apt to talk about it versus a man. But it's it's also what I learned is in in layman's terms, women get more grossed out by things than men do, I guess, is kind of the way I'd like to put it. And um, for that, for that reason, I think women just get more, um, I don't know if the word, I guess, afraid of, of being sick mm-hmm. than men do because uh, be, us being men, it's like, oh, we shouldn't have to care about that. But there's a couple guys I've talked to who are in this debilitating emetophobia who are trying to just get through their lives and they have no idea who to talk to or even what it is or why it's happening. And uh, I just, I feel so bad sometimes. I just want to be like, hey man, like, just talk to me. Let's, let's talk about yeah. it, you know? And, and it's, it's hard to get guys to talk about that stuff for sure, so. It's really hard. I didn't even know what emetophobia was until a few months ago, and I've had it oh, about 10 years now. It's And I just only recently found out what it was. I just always thought I was being overly sensitive, and it was just like something that a lot of people have, and I just need to get over it. But it's like, yeah. oh, okay. It made me feel a lot better knowing that there's something I can do, and there's other people that feel similarly, and it's not just like a Laura thing where I'm being really silly. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a really lot of people that have it. Um, it. It's just it's one of yeah, it's one of those things where they just don't know. They have no idea what it is or why it's happening. And that was like a big part of my recovery was finding out how it works and how it's working in my mind and, and how it's taking control of me. Because I'm not the kind of guy who likes to just sit back and let things, you know, take control of my life. I'm like, dude, I was normal as hell before this. I could do anything I wanted to do. I was perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden one day, basically what happened in my case was my friend had food poisoning and I had to ride with him for like an hour in the car and he just got Uh like violently sick the entire time. And so uh, he dropped me off at a place. My mom came and got me and then nothing happened for a day or two. And then all of a sudden I got that frog in my throat, that weird like throat closing up feeling. And it just never went away. It just continued to happen and and it got worse and worse and worse to the point where I had to drop out of high school. I had to stop doing all the things I like to do. And I'm, I'm big into the cannabis industry as well. It's kind of something in, in Michigan here, it's legal. So we, we, we get into that, but um, I, I mean, my whole life I've been into that and I had to stop smoking weed. I had to stop drinking. I had to eat like crackers and, and, and uh, like bread all the time. Cause I just, oh I couldn't, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was just so scared. And then, yeah, it's um, scary. and it took me a good, probably at least five years to get to the point where I actually knew what was going on. And I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to work. Everything just was like terrible in my life. So once I started taking control of it and really um, like putting all my effort into to finding out how I can, I can fix it and how I can kind of take control of it. That's when things started to kind of change. And I mean, it was extremely difficult at first. I had just had to go to work, you know, it was like, I, I just start with the small baby steps and you really mm-hmm. have to take it. Cause I feel like when we have emetophobia, we get so overwhelmed because there's just so much to think about. It's yes. constant. Like there's germs, there's like food that could be expired. There's somebody who could be sick at work there's somebody who could be sick at our house there's just constant different things we have to think about all day and then when you kind of step back and say well okay let me just take it one step at a time like and my whole thing is I like to when I drive a car I used to have really bad car sickness when I'd be in a car just because of the whole food poisoning thing yeah so my whole goal was all right let's make it to the next road sign let's make it to the next road sign just constantly the whole time I was driving and it would make it so I could get to my my place I was trying to go without having to freak out and having a panic attack and pulling over and uh, and then I just 
I started taking that and putting that into little other parts of my life as well, like eating and just, just stuff that was bothering me the most. And, and I think the baby steps is the biggest part of how I, I recovered because I just didn't have to deal with so much at once. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's literally bite-sized chunks. I remember a couple of months ago, one of my housemates, she wasn't very well. And then like that thought of, oh my, oh my days, as someone in my house got a tummy bug, am I going to catch it? Um, what should I do thing and that just start that thought process started like unraveling and mm -hmm. things like that but one of my house like they look after me so well they're so nice but it literally just helped me like break it down and be like hang on no yep. like don't stress because I feel like once you get too deep into it it's hard to pull yourself out so you need to like get it at, like just as it's beginning and then you can like think rationally and yep. stay calm while you sort of sort your thought process out that's where that five second rule can come in too. As really soon as you, like you had that thought, you could just say to yourself, all right, count down from five. As soon as you get to one, you, you directly change your mind process and your thought process to something else completely. And just, it, it takes some time at first to get used to that kind of stuff with your mind. But after like maybe a week of doing that, you'll get to the point where that little thing that was just bothering you, you can change your whole focus onto something else completely. And, and that's kind of where it's at. And, and it's not good to run away from problems like that, but it's also good to, to practice mindfulness and to say, Hey, mm -hmm. she may be sick, but I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. That doesn't mean I'm going to get sick and then just change your mind process and your thoughts to something else completely. And, and it, it that's, a, it's the running away thing. I think that was the worst part of it is it just kept it going. You know, it was like when you get the, that feeling of like dread and you're scared of something, you want to run away from it. But even in, in daily life, when, when I have to do business things, right? Like the other day, I had to call a bunch of companies and talk to them about stuff. And I really didn't want to do it. I wanted to run away and just not do it. But I, I sat down, and I said, you know, I have to do this. It's for my better. I'm going to be able to do it. And then I did it. And it wasn't that bad at all. And that's kind of where we're at is you got to face it head on and realize it's not the end of the world. And, exactly. and we, we all need to do that for sure. And I feel like every time you say yes to something and face something head on, the next time it will be a little bit easier until yep. it's not no big deal at all. I think it's really hard to remember sometimes when you're feeling your worst, but perspective is very important on everything yeah. like this. Definitely. And looking back now on how, how bad things were and how good things are now, it's, I mean, things aren't even that good now. I mean, everything feels like it's falling apart because of this whole COVID stuff. Oh, but God. at the same time, like looking back, I'm like, I'm at a really good place in my life currently because I'm not stuck in my room by myself, like going through mm -hmm. panic attacks constantly throughout the day anymore. And that's just like something that I need to really look forward to all the time is, is not being in that position anymore. So. And I think looking for the positive things as like, as well, like it's so easy to sort of get like weighed down by everything. But I, sometimes when I'm really negative, it sounds really silly, but I'll go on a walk in the park and I'll play like I spy with myself but it's not looking I'll look for happy things like and I always find that really changes my mindset and reminds me to just sort of focus on the positive a bit more it's so easy to get swept up in all of it yeah. it sucks and uh one more thing I want to touch on too I like to take the anxiety that's happening in my life and kind of turn it into a game in a way like for instance I, I made a little podcast about this but um I used to have a problem with standing in line at the store. I don't, I, it was just like, it felt like with emetophobia, we, we feel like we have to be in control all the time. That's another thing about it. And when I was in line, I felt like I was stuck there. I couldn't move. I couldn't run away if I had to, it was just kind of like, I felt like there was no way out of it. So the, it's the same thing with those road sign things where I had to make it to the next road sign. I did the same thing in the line. I just said, you know, let's just wait till this next person goes through and then we're going to move one step forward and we'll go from there. And you, you never make yourself feel like you're in a position that you can't get out of you make yourself in, in a position where um, 
you kind of just wait to see what happens. And you realize that, okay, I don't have to wait for this entire line to move. I just have to wait for this person in front of me to move one more space. And then we'll figure out what happens there. And it's kind of those, that same baby steps thing and just kind of tying it all together. Um, but yeah, you can do that with really anything to make a, a game out of it in a way, instead of making it this really harsh, like scary thing, you can just kind of say like, well, I'm just going to challenge myself here. And that's how um, I've learned to really get over the anxiety and to, to be able to be a normal person. I guess there's no such thing as normal people, but mm-hmm. a, a, a normal society person again, I guess. But yeah, it's just, um, it can be very difficult. But if we, if we really practice at it and try it every day, it takes a lot of time and it takes like years to get back to that, that normal space you want to be in, but it is possible. And that's kind of what it I want to get across here is that it's very possible. You're not going to be like this forever, for sure. A hundred percent agreed. It's so important to remember that like this won't last forever and it can be improved and it can be changed. There's so many options of like what works well for you and mindsets to reframe and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well within our control, I think. so i know you're in the uk and Mm -hmm. i'm in i'm in the us and it's probably completely different but what's the whole covid situation going on over there and how has it affected you with your emetophobia um i found so we went into lockdown in march i think and i remember the i was at university on my own um like for the as it was all going into a mess before lockdown and i just remember thinking like feeling like everything was dirty. I felt completely out of control. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to be exposed to anything. No one really knew what was going on. And then even for the first few weeks of lockdown, I felt there was a good few weeks where I just felt like I couldn't take a breath and I just didn't feel relaxed at all. And then eventually I just accepted it and sort of home felt safe again and things like that. And then since being at uni, it, it has been strange like having to accept less control in my own home during lockdown. Um, I live with my parents and my sister at home. And um, obviously my sister wasn't at school. My parents were working from home. So the space was very controlled. I knew that like nothing, there was no way I could get it. But then being at uni, people are in and out at lectures, meeting other friends, studying in libraries and things. So accepting having less control over it was hard but I think really important in terms of just being able to you know live my life a bit more and things yeah it, it's it's been very difficult and I think at first I was the same way where I was just afraid I was constantly scared of everything I didn't want to go out in public anymore and like I, I was just like looking at everybody like oh my god like everybody's sick now I'm just scared of everybody but yeah. um, now that I've like had a couple of people in my life get it it's it's kind of a, a little bit more reassuring to say because my, my boss got it and what happened was he had uh, a fever for three days and he had mm-hmm. diarrhea for three days and now he's completely fine and nothing happened to him whatsoever and mm-hmm. he's he's out of his quarantine now he's going to be going back to work soon and um it's just I, i've i hear about all these terrible things where people are dying and they're in hospitals and on breathing machines and I haven't seen that personally, though. Like everybody I know that's gotten it has been very. They said it's it's like having the cold. Like it's just like having a cold, really, and or maybe having the flu. They say it's really nothing worse than that. And so I'm kind of just trying to keep that in mind and, and stay positive about it and say even if I get yes, it, you know, yes. at least it won't be the end of the world. And, and hopefully I'm bad. not. Well, yeah, well, not one of those unlucky few that has to go to the hospital and, and ends up, you know, dying unfortunately, but. It's just a scary time for everybody. I've it's never seen something scary. like this happen in my life. So either. And um, because at uni, it's 
spreading around so quickly one of my housemates tested positive and we all um like she stayed in her room and there was just those few tense days when we were waiting to see if anyone got symptoms and stuff and that was really scary and I actually yeah. remember reading at the beginning of lockdown when we were still learning about everything that one of the symptoms was being sick and I remember mm. that being a massive Same. like <laughs> so scary, scary thing <laughs> so that made me so so nervous but since then I haven't really had that being symptoms so I've sort of stayed a lot calmer about it all really oh yeah okay for sure um I know going off the just off the hip here it's 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 different I usually have like a list of questions and stuff to ask I'm trying to think of all the questions I usually (laughs) have um so you said you had it for about 10 years now Mm. um now that you know what it is and and how it all works has it has it been easier to deal with or is it still about the same as it's always been so much easier i feel like it's i don't want to use the word justified but i feel like i'm not hating on myself for feeling this nervous anymore i'm having a bit more patience with myself when i feel that way before i just used to think oh i'm being so silly but i don't really have much control over it i can't help feeling this way but now i'm i sort of feel like it's okay to feel like this you are feeling like this it's gonna like it's gonna pass kind of thing it's been so so helpful learning it's a thing and also looking into treatment I've started because I want to I do want to be able to sort of uh, prevent it from stopping letting me do things I want to be able to do all the things I want to do so I've been looking into a few options like hypnotherapy and things but I've never I haven't signed up for anything yet I'm I think I do need a little bit of extra help before I'm ready to commit to like booking like a big traveling experience or anything yeah. like that yeah I'm, I'm very afraid of planes and boats still mm-hmm. it's it's just terrifying um i i have heard of this thing called the thrive program it seems to be the thing that everybody talks about how they've completely overcome their emetophobia and i've never really looked into it personally but um i guess the the thrive program it's a big thing in the uk actually that's where i, I keep oh. hearing about it from is from oh. people who are in the uk so definitely something to look into if it's, if it's, if you're looking for some sort of treatment, I actually, I just got myself a, a basic counselor and she actually it said right on her thing that she specializes in emetophobia and OCD disorders. So I was like, okay. Hey, there we go. So I got some free healthcare from the state of Michigan. And I was like, there we go. Let's go to counseling. And it's, it's oh, been great. And I'm to the point now where she keeps asking me like why I'm even in counseling anymore. She's like, we just sit here and you kind of tell me all this stuff that I already am going to tell you. And I was just like, well, it's just nice to talk to somebody. You know? so <laughs> it's just it's nice great. to have a chat sometimes, isn't it? For sure. Someone, yeah. yeah. And having people around you or even just chatting to someone that gets it as well is so helpful. Or even if you're in a situation when you're out and you're not feeling hundred percent in control, just having someone who knows and you don't even have to explain it. You can just sort of, give that sort of oh gosh that yep help me out look <laughs> that little then, sidekick thing it's nice yeah, yeah. it is sure. it's so reassuring having a little mate with you that's 100 percent gets it and supports you out when you need it how have your parents dealt with it are they pretty cool about it um i don't really my mom i sort of when i found out about it and i did some research i sort of told my mom what it was because she'd never heard of it either and she always knew i was really worried about it so um she just sort of was like oh so we finally have a name now and when I talked about potentially looking into some like help or advice and things she was completely on board because she knows how much it holds me back and things like that so it's my parents have been really good about it my dad as well yeah 
really good. I know there's some people's parents are very like against it and then just completely like kind of almost break you down about it. And it's just like, come on, just get over it type of stuff. And it, I think that's, it's really good for parents to be on board with it and be supportive so of the good. whole thing. Cause if you got to fight it, that's just going to make it last a lot longer and make it a lot worse. So it is. And I, I think, um, cause my parents have seen how worried it can make me. They do mm-hmm. really realize that it's like a genuine thing for me and something that I have to power through. Of course. My younger sister, I don't, we never we don't really talk about it that much but I, she's quite similar to me i think but um i she still has a drink and you know she's confident with that sort of thing so i think it was always something that we were quite similar like oh like me and my sister are always worried about this warriors but i think now it's like oh okay like i need a little bit more help with it i think right it's not something i was going to grow out of is uh, is your emetophobia, uh, is it a you personally being sick or is it everybody around you being sick or is it both? Um, I think it used to be both, but I think since being at uni, people are drunk all the time. So it's just <laughs> right. kind of something that I've become less worried about now. I don't think I'll, I'm at that place where I'd ever be able I feel awful saying it, but I don't think I'm at that place where I'd be able to look after my friend if they were sick. I don't think yeah. I'd be able to be in, like, you know, holding their hair back or anything. But um, I don't feel the need to, like, you know, completely, like, cover my ears, leave the room, not That's hear good. or see anything. I think I've definitely got a bit better. <laughs> yeah, you're making progress, for sure. That's good. Yeah, yeah. definitely. No, I, I actually recently had to go through that where my girlfriend was very drunk and she came home at night and got very sick and mm-hmm. I was there for her and it felt really good to be able to like be there for her. You know what I mean? Because usually I would do, I'd have to run in the in the living room here and like cover my ears, do the same stuff. But I think it's just that, that conditioning my mind to say, you know, she's not sick because she has an illness. She's sick because she's really mm-hmm. drunk and needs my help. And so I think, is it easier for you to justify when people are sick when it's not because they're, they have some sort of, you know, illness, it's just because, you know, Hey, I ate something bad or is it easier for you to justify that? Yeah, definitely. When I know it's not a bug and I know it's alcohol, I can isolate it in my mind. I think this isn't going to affect me. I'm going to be okay. Um, I think it's very, very different for me. For sure. Yeah. I think it kind of changes your mind from, um, oh, it's like the protective feeling to then feeling like I need to really take care of somebody because they they do not feel good. And then mm-hmm. what I do too is a lot is I'll like give them water and pretzels and like try to do everything I can that would make me feel better. And I try to do that to them to make them feel better because I'm like, it makes me feel better. And I always try to, do you have a, a thing with mints and gum? Do you chew mints or, or chew gum okay. or anything? I know people that do do that. I think I'm, I don't really carry them around with me, but there has been situations where I wish I'd had them. I think they're quite useful for grounding sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I always have a, I have them right now in my pocket. I have a pack of mints all the time, no matter what. And if I don't have them, like sometimes I can go without them for a couple of days. I just don't even think about it. But then every once in a while, it's like, I'm just sit there and pop mints all day. And it's just, it's just a weird thing for me where ever since I started with the emetophobia thing, I've always either had gum or mints. And I do, I meet a lot of people who have that same thing with them. So yeah, interesting. It is. I think it's the, it's the mint though. I think that's what really does. And it just gives you something to do for a minute. And it's just like that, that comforting feeling when you do it, you know? it is and it makes I think because I get a really I'll get a really dry mouth when I'm nervous Mm -hmm. and I can't swallow it it's just nice to chew on a mint it's a a nice change of feeling what I like Mm -hmm. to do sometimes as well if 
um, I'll go and just put my hands in cold water because I find that's like, I imagine it's a similar thing because it's all cold in your mouth when you have a mint, isn't it? And it yeah. just rounds you a bit and it's another feeling to feel that isn't anxiety. For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so is there anything you would like to say um, to somebody who has a metaphobia? Um, something maybe you've picked up along the way or, or some sort of advice you'd like to give anybody? Um, I think just for me, finding your your way of coping with anxiety. For me, I know not everyone believes it and I'm not sure I fully believe it but I find it so comforting is having all my crystals and I wear like anxiety crystal bracelets if I'm going on a big day out and things and just sort of using that to sort of like ground me and I just think finding your support system is so important whether that's doing research and just sit or just waiting for it to find you kind of thing it's so important to find that one thing and just use that to help power on through and stay in control that's awesome yeah i never thought about though i I did used to have this uh it was like a little blue like crystal rock i would have in my pocket all the time and it was just Mm. like that weird little thing that if i was like nervous or something i just hold it in my hand and like rub it around in my hand and stuff and it just it really did calm me down it was nice it is calming isn't it it's i think it's really helpful having things like that and even just like something to like fiddle with and look at and sort of thing Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, really good. I think it works for me anyway. <laughs> for sure. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we end the podcast? I think that's it for me. I think, yeah. Where, where can uh, people find you at? If you have anything you want to share? Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram, um, Nora Atkinson underscore. And then, yeah, I just, I, I don't post on there that often. But yeah, just give that a follow. Um, all my DMs are always open if you want to chat or if you're feeling the same as me. But yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put that in the the show notes for this podcast so everybody can go follow you over there. Okay, um, it's you. been really nice talking to you. Thank you yeah, for coming you on. Too. Thank you for having me on. It's been really helpful. Really nice to chat. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully we'll have you on again. Yes, fingers crossed. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I just wanted to add this on to the end here. If you guys want to find me and some more about the Emetophobia podcast, we are on Instagram at the Emetophobia podcast. Um, There's a Facebook group called the Emetophobia community. There's a website called emetophobias.com. And I'm also on Twitter as well at uh, the Emetophobia pod. So yeah, go uh, follow me and uh, check out some more information. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a good one.